all here at our Coleman campus will help us welcome in all those at the Ferris campus here. Oh, Amen. Amen. I want to I want to thank all of you that came out from the Fairview campus last week. It was really cool to be able to meet together last Sunday night. And uh, what a blessing that was, and, and y'all got me. <laughs> How in the world does 3,000 Baptists keep a secret for three months? I honestly, I've, I've been trying to think all week about what to say. And I, I mean, how do you, how do you say thanks? And and when I was walking across the, the the front, and I was just looking and seeing everybody, and I was just so blown away. Well, first I was confused; I didn't know what y'all was doing <laughs> because I didn't have a clue, just not a clue. And then when it dawned on me what's going on, I was so I couldn't even look at nobody because I was afraid I was gonna start crying. And then Tuesday when I got to church and I cornered up Dustin to find out how this all happened. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just me, just who I am. I, I asked him, I said, all right, how'd y'all pay for that car? He said, preacher, I promise you, I promise you not one single dime came out of the church budget. Everybody gave toward it, and I was like, And so I started crying again. <laughs> but listen, I, 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 I don't even know what to say. I'm so undeserving, but I'm so thankful. I, not, not, not just for the car. That, that's so awesome. That's crazy. But just your love and how you love my family. And that was, that was words cannot describe. And I want, I want you to know I, I'm appreciative and I thank you. And all God's people say it. Amen. Hey, do this. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. We're going we're gonna to just talk about Jesus a little while. Amen? Uh, uh, whether you know it or not, this whole thing is about Jesus and, and, and about his glory and about his honor. and what, what, what It's all about him. And he changed everything when he got here. I don't know if you know that or not, but... Uh, he, he changed everything. We, we have a crowd of people who are religious. And that's what we're going to talk about, the confrontation between the religious crowd and Jesus because they didn't really get along. Because when you, when you get good at learning the rules and you get good at following the rules from the outside and you get good and religious, uh, and here's a problem, when you know the rules but you don't know the one who wrote them, you, you have a tendency to get hypocritical. You have a tendency to get arrogant. You have a tendency to get self-righteous. You have a tendency to get judgmental. And you look down on people that's not as good at following the rules as you are. And you think it's all about the rules and not the one who wrote them. Well, the one who wrote them showed up one day. Are y'all with me? And that caused a problem 
between the people who were good at the outside rules, but they were corrupt and wicked on the inside. They looked good on the outside. Uh, they followed the rules on the outside, but, but boy, was they, there was a rude awakening. Say amen. Look in Luke 15, Luke 15 in verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then drew near unto him, talking about Jesus, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees, that's the religious crowd, that's the rule keepers, that's the people who, who thought they had it all together, that's the people who thought they were following God and really they didn't even know him. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured. They were complaining. And this was their complaint. This man receiveth sinners, and he eateth with them. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd. And you see, in their minds, if God was to come to earth, he would hang out with them. They said, what, what are you doing? What? He's hanging out with sinners. And Jesus spake this. He spake a parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having one hundred or a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? How, how long is he going to look? Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his, his, his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Let me read one more. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, seek diligently. How long is she going to look? And when she hath found it, she calleth her, her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner that repented. Can we just give God praise and glory right there? Come on, give him praise, church. You say, why are you so happy? Because I'm a sinner. And this is why you should be happy. Are y'all with me? The only people that ain't happy is the self-righteous, uh, uh, Okay, anyway, <laughs> Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I pray that you'll bless your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. 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 For, for uh, outline's sake, if you want to write some things down, write this down. I, I want you to see the attraction, the attraction of, of, of the Lord Jesus. He, he, he attracts things. He was very attractive. Now, he wasn't attractive in appearance. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't attractive in a way that, that people would look upon him and, and, and want him because of his outside appearance. Because the Bible says he was comely. He, he, was not, he was not very attractive in appearance at all. But he was attractive to the certain crowd. 
He was attractive to sinners. Are y'all with me? Two things he attracted. We see the crowds he attracted. The crowds he attracted. It describes them in two ways. The publicans and the sinners. Y'all with me? Say that with me. The. Now, now let's describe this crowd. The publicans were the tax collectors. The publicans were working for the Romans. And they were, they were hated by the Jewish people. I mean, I mean despised by the Jewish people. Not only were they in cahoots with the Romans, but they were cheating the taxes and stealing from the people. Somebody say amen. amen. So these were hated people. These were ungodly people in the righteous crowd's eyes or, or the self-righteous crowd's eyes. They hated these people. And the sinners were basically the unlearned, those that didn't know the law, those who were not educated in the things of the law or the things of Moses. And, and so they were obviously ungodly and wicked people. But guess what? That was the crowds that Jesus attracted. He attracted those who were broken. He attracted those who were hurting. He, were, he attracted the outcasts. He attracted the crowds that nobody else wanted. And guys, let me tell you something. We need to be the type of church. We need to be the type of crowd. We need to be the type of organization that attracts the lowly, that attracts the broken, that attracts the hurting, that attracts people that nobody else wants. Somebody say amen. I bet if we took a microphone and went through this crowd, everybody in here has a testimony. A testimony of being hurt. A testimony of going through something. A testimony of tragedy. A testimony of brokenness. But guess what? Jesus found you one day. He found you where you were. He took you from where you were to where you are now. And what you went through did not kill you. It brought you to where you are. And now you got a word. You got a testimony. You got something to say. He attracted crowds. I'm talking about crowds. And it wasn't, it wasn't because, it wasn't because just for the fact that he did miracles. It wasn't just for the fact that he could do incredible things. That's not, that's not the issue. And I'll show you why he attracted people in a minute. But remember this. When you attract crowds, you're going to attract something else. And that's critics. You're going to attract critics. You're going you're to attract people with, with something smart to say. How many of y'all seen some of that this week? Listen, any time, any time that you reach people for Christ, somebody's going to have something to say about it. Now, let me tell you something. The Bible says in, the, in verse number 2, let me read it. I'm not just coming off the top of my head. Look here, verse number 2. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know, two things that they, they, they criticize. One, his method, and then his motive. Two things that Jesus was criticized in most of his life, most of his ministry here on earth. They criticize his method. He's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd. They, 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 they criticize his motive. And do you know what? They'll do that in church too. And you know, the sad part is, the sad part about this whole thing is that it, it's not lost people that's doing the criticizing. It's not, it, when I say that, I'm talking about today. I'm talking about they, these guys was lost. They didn't think they was. They was religious to the core. But you know what? It's not the drunk on the street that's criticizing how Temple is reaching people. It's not, it's not the person that's on drugs or, or the person that everybody thinks is the sinner that's criticizing the way we are. Not one drunk in this town cares whether we got coffee in the foyer or not. 
it's that person at so-and-so church that's got something to say about a method. But that's fine. Let them talk. Let them chirp. Let them say whatever they want. Are y'all with me? I don't want critics. Don't do nothing. Dr. Vance Habner said it this way. Dr. Vance Habner was an unbelievable man of God, a preacher. In the, he said this, if you, if you want people to talk about you, if you want people to talk about you, do one of three things. Have more, know more, or do more, and people will talk about you. If you don't want people to talk about you, have nothing, do nothing. Are y'all with me? I like, well, anyway, I'm going to just move right along. I kind of like that song, Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. Amen? He attracted critics. They criticized his method. Now, let me, let's talk about his method a minute because this is what got him in trouble. And, and, and I'm going somewhere. This is kind of a long intro. To, that last point is really the message I want to share with you. But you've got to get this part. This was their criticism. This is what they did not like about Jesus. And this is amazing to me. People that are supposed to know God, you say, how do you know they didn't know God? Because they did not love. And the Bible says God is love. He that knoweth God, he loves. If you don't love, you don't know God. Right? First John is there. Amen. Now watch, watch the thing. This is what they say. This man receiveth sinners. Yeah. Say that with me. This man. Now, there, this, this, this word, if you break this word down, it's got a threefold meaning. It's got a threefold meaning. Now, let me share with you what those, those meanings are. And, and this is going to make so much sense. This man receiveth sinners. What's that mean? The first part of this word means this, to accept. To accept. Y'all with me? To accept. Now, what does that word mean? It means to endure without protest or reaction. To endure without protest or reaction. And let me explain this. There's a difference between accepting and endorsing. Accepting and endorsing. There's a difference. We've got to understand this because if we don't, we're going to mess this whole thing up. Uh, no, No way in this world does any, any right Christian endorse sin. We don't do that. We don't endorse sin. We don't endorse unrighteousness as a church. We don't do that. But we do accept sinners. And what does it mean to accept sinners? It means to endure without reaction. Let me read it again. I'm just giving you Webster's Dictionary. We're just going to have a word study here. To endure without protest or reaction. Now, Now, where did the people find Jesus? He found Jesus wherever there were sinners. Y'all with me? Now, what do we do? Sometimes we as God's people can get very pharisaical. And we can isolate ourselves from sinners. Are y'all with me? And and, and so what we do is we isolate ourselves from the people who need us the most because we, we don't want none of that to rub off on us. I tell you what, what I, I was sitting in a store one time. It was over at Bethel. It was over at Bethel. I was sitting in a store, and they had, like, booths there, like the old McDonald's booths there, and, and I was sitting with a bunch of coon hunters. And, 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 and this is when I first got here because there was a bunch of unredeemed coon hunters. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? 
un, unregenerated. Amen. And they, they was rough. I ain't going to lie. They was rough. And, and, and I was sitting there beside them, and, 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 and there were several of them in there. Well, well, a lady came by, and she said something a little salty. It was a lady that worked there, and it was a little, a little rough. And, and, and one of them guys said, hey, you better watch what you say. This is a preacher right here. And they really didn't care because they were salty too, but they were just trying to mess with her. And this is what she said. Well, what in the world is he hanging around y'all for? And you know what I did? I turned around and said, ma'am, who do you think needs me the most? Amen? Now watch. This is what I mean. This is what I mean by accepting. I have been, I, have, I, I, I like to go uh, coon hunting. Most of y'all know that. But I like to go to competition hunts. And, and when you go, like, out of state and everything, you, you'll draw out with people from Georgia, Indiana, Illinois, and from everywhere. And they don't know you. And I remember, I, I mean, this happens all the time. All the time this happens. And, and I'll, I'll be riding in the truck. One of them, one of them will ask to, to, to borrow a ride, and if they could ride with me, or I, sometimes I'll ride with them, and, and we're going to the woods. And I mean, I mean, about every other word is one of them good ones. Well, maybe one of them bad ones. I mean, one of them good, bad ones, amen? I mean, not no every day. I mean, a show enough one. And I'm down my, nah, 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 just about, and, and I don't say a word. I don't say a word. What am I doing? I'm enduring without protest or reaction. I don't say a word because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I just keep my mouth shut. I don't say a word. I don't even react. I don't even cringe. I don't, I just, and, and, and eventually it comes out. You say, what comes out? They will say, what do you do for a living? And now I'm obligated to tell them. It will blow your mind how changed they become. I mean, they turned into Sunday school Johnny in a matter of seconds. No more dirty words. Y'all with me? Now, there's been times I've told some they need to get another dictionary, say amen. But it was after I already knew them and after they already knew that I loved them. But here's the thing. Now, now he could have said a bad word. First thing I could have said, hey, boy, you better watch your mouth. I go to church, son. And you know what I'd have done? I'd have totally lost any opportunity whatsoever. Jesus accepted people. He showed up at parties with sinners. He showed up in the marketplace with sinners. And guess what? He accepted them. Well, he, he's not endorsing them, but he's accepting them. Do you see the difference? You say, why was he so attractive? Because he wasn't a self-righteous Pharisee who judged and criticized them. He accepted them. Not only did he accept them, but the second part of this word, receive, means to allow. It means to allow, to accept, to allow, which means the word allow means to neglect, to prevent, or restrain. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He's just there. He just loves on them. He just speaks, but here's the key. Here's the key. The third part is this, to await. Await, to accept, to allow, to await. 
Now, this means with confidence and patience. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're just letting time go by. You say, what is the point? The point is this. Jesus knew if they hung around him very long, they're going to leave different. They're going to leave different. I can, I can go down a list right now of coon hunters that's either in heaven right now or in church somewhere right now because I received them. I didn't wait till they got fixed up. I didn't chew them out because they wasn't the way they were supposed to be. I didn't go and preach at them till they let me. And that's a key. That's a key. Sometimes you, you, you got to understand this. Sometimes people don't care how much you know till they know how much you. You see, Jesus was very attractive. He was very attractive because of how he treated people. The righteous crowd, or excuse me, the self-righteous crowd, they thought they was righteous, but they wasn't righteous. Yes, they knew the law. Yes, they knew the rules. Yes, they followed on the outside what made them look good on the outside. They was full of pride and full of arrogancy. And when they saw sinners, they looked down on sinners. When they saw sinners, they criticized sinners. When they saw sinners, they judged sinners. When they saw sinners, they said, I'm glad we're not like them. It's biblical. I can, I can show you. Now, how do we relate to sinners, guys? How do we see sinners? And by the way, by the way, the only difference between them and us is we're forgiven. And they're not yet. If it wasn't, Paul said, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there would I be. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd be drunk right now. We'd be high right now. We'd be in jail right now. We'd be in the gutter right now. We'd be destroyed right now. Some ought to say amen. It's the grace of God. Who are we to look down at anybody? We were in the same pit that he found us. We're nobody. Y'all with me? Now here's what we learn from this story. This is what I want you to get. This is just kind of a setting of the table. Jesus is being criticized because he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. Now, guys, this is the point. We're not going to be who God wants us to be if we don't find some folks in the wrong crowd. Let me tell you, I'm going to pastor for just a minute. If you're a first-time attender, just, just kind of chill for a minute. I, I, I need to talk to my family and my people for just a minute because I want to pastor just a second. We have a bad problem as Christians. We have a bad problem as Christians that, that, that with our gathering together and our fellowships and, 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 and our small groups and all these type of things that we, we, start, we start bunching up with other Christians. And over time, over time, most of the people in our circle either get saved or leave our circle, right? And so over time, we end up only knowing other Christians, we only hang out with other Christians. We only spend time with other Christians. Now, listen, I don't know about y'all, but you, you can't be salt and light with other Christians. Because they're already salty. And if all you ever do is salt other Christians, y'all going to be too salty. I don't know about y'all, but if y'all been around Christians and only hang around Christians long, do you know they start getting bitter and start fighting and griping with one another? 
But you know what I found about a church who is, who is all about the lost and is focused on the lost? They don't have time to argue with you because they're too busy reaching them. I tell you, if you see a church is squabbling and fighting all the time, they become self-centered and self-focused and inwardly focused. They don't care about the laws. They want their needs met. And, and, and then they start fighting one another. So if you see them fighting, you know what? They're not reaching. You don't have time to fight if you're fishing. Yeah, I'm preaching this morning. Right? Now, after the criticism, Jesus tells them a story. Matter of fact, he tells them three parables. Three parables that most of the time people will take them separate. People will take them separate, uh, but Jesus put them together. How many times have you heard just one single message on the prodigal son? I preached several on the prodigal son. And most of the time, most of the time, the way it's the way it's preached and applied is that the prodigal son was backslidden and, and he came back home and, and it's a story of a backslidden Christian, but it's really not. Jesus has given three stories, three parables of lost things. First, there was a lost sheep, then there was lost silver, and then we have a lost son. Now the two, the first two parables. It shows the emphasis of God coming and looking for that which was lost. The third parable of the prodigal son is the emphasis of the prodigal and the responsibility of the sinner to repent and come to God. Are y'all with me? But all three situations is dealing with that which is lost. That which is lost. We have been praying for, we have been planning for, we have been preparing for, we've been trying to motivate you to take these invites to those who are lost. Why? Because God cares about those who are lost. It's all about the lost. Are y'all with me? Now listen, what do we take from this? What do we take from the admonition that Jesus gave to them? I mean, he, he gets on them, and he's getting on the Pharisees who are complaining that he's hanging out with the lost people and with the sinners. So what's he say? He said, let me tell you a story. How many of you shepherds out there, how many of you shepherds out there, if you just lose one, one sheep, you go out and you seek diligently. You look, you look, you look. When? Until you find it. You don't stop, you don't quit, you don't give up till you find that sheep that was lost. And when you do find that sheep that was lost, you pick that sheep up, you put him on your shoulders, and you come with a smile on your face. And when you get home, you call all of your friends and all of your neighbors and say, Woo! I found him! Now what is the, now watch, what is the emphasis here? It's on the joy of the finder. And you, you go to the lost silver. He said, how many of you ladies out there? See, he's getting them all. Men and women both. Men understood the sheep. Ladies understood the silver. How many of you ladies lost some silver? And you kept on looking. You kept on seeking. You kept on trying to find. You Man, you got the broom out, went to sweeping. You lit the candle. Let's light this baby up until you find it. 
And when you found it, son, you called everybody. You called family. You called friends and said, hey, rejoice with me because I found that which was lost. So what is the emphasis again? The joy of the finder. The son comes home. The prodigal's father sitting on the porch. And the son comes home. And a, a great way off. A great way off. This daddy sees his boy that was lost. And he jumps off the porch and runs to the boy. I mean, dignified senior folk in that day didn't do that because it was undignified. But how many of y'all know when what's lost has been found, you can get undignified? He runs to meet him. And he falls on his son and hugs him and kisses his son. His son said, I'm no worthy longer. I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Just make me as one of thy hired servants. And he went to call in the service. Hey, bring some shoes and put on his feet. Put the best robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. He said, my son that was lost, now he is found. Let's kill a calf and get to partying, baby. What do we find again? The joy of the finder. Now, what, are, what is Jesus trying to emphasize and show us today? He's trying to show us the significance of a soul. That you don't stop. That you don't quit. That you don't give up. That you don't stop inviting. That you don't quit inviting. That you don't stop asking, would you come with me? Would you come with me? Would you come with me? Somebody say amen. There are several people in here that knows what it feels like to have that person that you invited and they finally came after you asked and you asked and you asked and you didn't quit and you didn't give up and they finally showed up and they walked the aisle and they trusted Christ. I want to ask you, how'd you feel? Well, let me tell you how God felt. They jumping up and down in heaven. I'm not making that up. It's in the chapter. Read it. He said, there's more rejoicing over one sinner that repented than all y'all are sitting here. What does that mean? Lost souls are significant to God. He said, preacher, what should we take from that? Then lost souls should be significant to us. But let me, let me, let me kind of, I don't want to be a downer, but let's look at the reality of this story. Because the reality of the story is not about the prodigal. It's about the prodigal's brother. Let's read, because I'm afraid this is like most Christians today. The prodigals repented. The prodigals come home. Everybody should be happy. Everybody should be celebrating. Everybody should be delirious. But there's one person that's not happy. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house he heard music and dancing 
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things. And by the way, by the way, when we, have a, when, we, when we make a big deal out of people getting baptized and some of y'all don't like it, read that verse right there. It wouldn't be out of the way to do a little jig here and there. Say amen. And he called one of the servants and asked what, what, what these things mean. What's going on? And the servant said to him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed a fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Now watch this. His brother should have been delirious. He said, my brother's going to be okay. But watch what it says. And he was and would not go in. And he was angry and would not go in. Boy, that sounds like a lot of Christians I've known in the last couple years. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. What's wrong? And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. Let me see if I can apply this. I've been going to this church for years and paying my tithes, and y'all won't even sing my favorite song. I don't know why you're making a big deal out of everybody else. We've been here faithfully. What, 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 what are we saying? We're saying that, what about me? See, it, it doesn't matter that we're trying to reach the lost. It doesn't matter that you're already going to heaven. And you're going to make it. But what about me? Let me tell you something. If we ever, as a church as a whole, start having the attitude, what about me? Then we need to shut the doors. Well, you didn't do that for me. Several years ago, several years ago, we started making some adjustments at Temple. And we started making an emphasis on the lost and doing whatever we needed to do, however we needed to do it, to reach the lost. Now, sometimes when you make those adjustments, you make mad the saved because you stop catering to their desires because sometimes you got to do something different. And some Christians have the idea, what about just like this young man? And the father said, look, man, everything I got is yours. You, 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 you're already, you got everything. Let me, let me read it. It says this. And he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me. 
Let me let every Christian in here to say born again. You're going to heaven. And the devil can't take that away. And all that I have is thine. He said, verse 32, it was meat. That means it was important. It was proper that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost. And now he is now watch, now watch. Everybody cool off for a minute. Just, just, I want to say, I want to say this. Now watch. I've heard preachers preach. Let's hear it for the, the son that stayed home. Well, if you do that, you completely take it out of context. You completely miss what Jesus is trying to say. Because the application here is that the Pharisees was this older brother. You know what he's saying? He's saying, guys, you had the law. You had everything that spoke of me. You had the word of God. You had the scriptures. You had the heritage. You had the background. You should have known God. And you should have been reaching these sinners that I'm sitting with. But you're complaining because I'm not sitting in the tabernacle with you. You're complaining because I'm not hobnobbing with you. You're complaining because I'm hanging out with broken people who need me. You're complaining because I'm receiving the ones you should have received a long time ago. That's the application. Now, what's the point? I want to I encourage you. Let's go find some sinners this week. I, you say, preacher, but I don't know none. Well, let's get to know some. I promise you this. I promise you this. There's not a person in this room that's as shy as I am when it comes to meeting new people and that type of thing. I have to make myself. It's just, it's just not who I am. But guess what? You can do it and I can do it. Let me, get, let me give you a few numbers real quick, and, and then we'll pray. <clears throat> a national survey was asked people in the church, why did you join the church? And this was the, this was the numbers. Six to eight percent walked in on their own initiative. In other words, they just decided, I'm going to go to church today. That was it. Six percent. Two to three percent. Like the program. They heard about the program that the church had, whatever program that might be. It could have been life recovery. It could have been the children's program, whatever. Music program. All right? 2 to 3% came for that. 8 to 10% like the pastor. All right? 3 to 4% had a need. They had a need that the church could fill. 1 to 2% was evangelized. In other words, there was like a... a, a organized evangelistic strategy like going door to door knocking and inviting two percent all right three to four percent were attracted by sunday school they were they were in, in interested in sunday school now watch this number 70 to 80 percent were invited by a friend or family member Let's do a survey right now. Let's do a survey right now. How many of you are in church today because somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, 
a family member or friend either brought you or invited you to come. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look around. Look around. I hope you're looking around at Fairview. Look around. Look. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think us getting out and inviting is important? If 70 to 80% of all the people that are in church today came because a family or relative invited them, let me ask you a question. Who have you invited? Let me give you, let me give you one more number and we'll pray. The average church member can identify seven unchurched friends. The average church member. Some can, some can identify more and some can identify less, but the average church member can identify seven unchurch friends watch this 82% of all those who are invited to come will come so if all of us if all of us know seven people say I don't know seven people get your phone out let me see your contact list there ain't a person in here that doesn't have more than seven on their contact list. I need a witness, amen. amen. Some of y'all have 7,000. Because every time somebody calls, you'll save it so you'll know not to answer the next time. Mm-hmm. I got you. Right? Don't look at me that way. People praying, oh, Father, Father. how do you know that? Amen. Don't ask me how I know that. Amen. That's because Melvin Hunter told me. Amen. That's why. Now watch. If we all know seven people, and 80% of them will come simply because we asked them, why isn't this building full right now? We got work to do. We got work to do in your chair, in everybody's chair. We, we, y'all wouldn't pick them up in the door, so we put them in your chair. <coughs> Amen. <laughs> Don't you take these invites. Let's go get them. How long do I need to get them? Well, according to that chapter, until you find them. And let's get them here. Because, guys, I'm telling you this. There ain't nothing on this planet you can take to heaven with you. But possibly the one sitting beside you. We can't take houses. We can't take cars. We can't take clothes. We can't take possessions. We can't take hobbies. But we can take people. I, I hope. And by the way, guys. By the way. This coming week. This coming week. Easter Sunday is the one Sunday. It is the number one Sunday for first-time attenders to come to the house of God. Let's take advantage of it. That's like the Super Bowl of church. Amen? Will you help me look? Will you help me find? Will you help me invite? One of the coolest things last week, I was doing my invites, and the one, one of them, 
Mr. Brown, you, 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 you're one of the ones that invited this person. I said, man, I'd love for you to come. And, and, and she says, well, where do you go? I said, Temple. She went. <laughs> just rolled her eyes, and I thought, oh, God, what happened? She said, preacher, uh, or not, not preacher. She said, sir, she said, I've had so many invites, it's, it's crazy. From your church. And I got all swelled up. And I said, ma'am, I said, ma'am, we would love to have you. We'd love to have you. We was in Lawler's, me and Alan and, and Brother Doyle, and, 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 and we was arguing over who was going to pay the bill. And it wasn't what you're thinking. We were all going to pay it, amen. It wasn't. I and we just kept on and on, and this elderly lady behind us, she said, I'm with them. Well, we finally got everything ordered, and we stepped aside and said, Hello, ma'am, come on up here. And we, we, we took care of hers, and, and we said, Ma'am, we'd show love for you to come to temple with us. We took advantage. Listen, it's simple. You can do it anywhere. Man, God loves sinners. I, 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 I preached at a... I preached at a little Methodist church. I still got I still got time on the clock. <laughs> this is a miracle, amen. I, I, I preached at my, my whole senior year in Bible college. I preached at a little congregational Methodist church in the middle of nowhere, Augusta, Georgia. Now I know you're thinking Augusta, Georgia is somewhere because it's huge, but it was in the out in the country in the middle of nowhere. They were some of the sweetest people in the world. I'm talking about, I preach every, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. At my whole senior year in Bible college. They didn't have a preacher, and I wanted somewhere to preach, and they didn't care if I came. So we had a great relationship. <laughs> and, and there was a fellow there that was a vacuum cleaner salesman. A vacuum cleaner salesman. He had his little hat on and everything. And how many of y'all have ever heard of a Kirby vacuum cleaner? I never heard of one at that time. Well, he, he, I was sitting in the car with him one day, and he was telling me about, about how they do things, and he was a good one. I mean, he, he wasn't. He, he was one that actually made money. Hey, man, I mean, he, he said, what are Kirby's, like 70000 a piece? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, like, ridiculously high. I don't know. But you sell one, you can retire. Hey, man, you just. But he, he told a story. They were, they were in training. He told them a story, and this is supposed to be a true story. He said, this is a true story, preacher. He said, there was, there was a, a, a lady that lived up on a mountain, an uh, uh, elderly lady lived up on a mountain, didn't have a lick of electricity, a lick of electricity. And a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman went up to visit her and sold her a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> now, are y'all with me? Now, here's the point. Her family was furious. I could understand that. They were mad at her. What? What? Momo, what are you doing? You don't even have electricity. He says, well, when I get it, I'll be a vacuum this floor. 
This is what she said. Momo, why did you buy this vacuum cleaner salesman? Said, because he come and asked me. What's the point? Nobody else had asked about anything else. Somebody went up there and asked. I wonder how many people is not sitting with us today simply because we haven't. One more story, because i got a few more minutes. <coughs> there was a shoe salesman that was sent over to to Africa many, many, many years ago to sell shoes. And he sent back a telegram and said, listen, this is a hopeless case. We are wasting our time. Nobody over here wears shoes. I need to come back home. Well, they, they went down and got a redneck from Alabama. <coughs> and they sent him over there, and he sent back a telegram and said, hurry, hurry, hurry. Send me all the shoes you've got because ain't nobody over here got any. <laughs> it's all in how you look at it. Amen? What's the point? This week, this week, guys, everybody, when you see somebody in the Holy Spirit leans on you to invite, don't determine whether you think they're going to say yes or not. Well, they may not, or they, it don't matter. Let God worry about that. Let's invite them all. And we'll let God sort it out. And all God's people say it. Let's give God praise and glory for loving sinners. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every head bowed, and every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed.